Howdy, y'all, and welcome to today's episode where I interview Norma Lambert with the Henderson County Humane Society Litter Box. She tells us about how she got here, what she's got going on, what she's done, and what she hopes to do in the future. Hope you enjoy the show and stop by the litter box and donate the things you don't need, or if you do need something, listen to the end for when they're open first and third Saturdays of each month. Thanks. We are the Henderson County Humane Society Litter Box Thrift Store. Spay neuter. We're here with Norma Lambert, the uh, ever energetic and always doing something world famous, <laughs> fantastic dancer, Norma Lambert. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. So there really is no agenda other than talking to interesting people, doing interesting things. Some of them are business owners, some of them are just movers and shakers, and some of them are just ass kickers like you. So thanks for coming on. So tell us how you ended up in Henderson County and then leading up to doing what you're doing now. Well, it was a little bit of a long road, but I uh, was born and grew up in southeast Texas uh, down on the coast, but things happen that take you I went to Oklahoma when I married, and we worked our way to to Dallas, and uh, then we decided that was way too big for us, and we moved to Chandler, and because we were living in rural, uh, my neighbors and I had saw a lot of little animals dropped out on us. I had grown up with a mother who t- took in every thing she could find that needed a home. So I had been schooled in that kind of thing. And we found that we were overrun with animals that needed cats and dogs, and sometimes other things, that needed someone just to find them a place where they wouldn't have any wants or needs as far as just having a decent life. Um, And then uh, we got overloaded and started looking for a humane society. I really didn't know what a humane society was. <laughs> what year is this? That was in 1986. Okay, so 86, that's when Shay yeah. was born. Our son was born. Why uh, Why from Oklahoma to Dallas? Was it just work? or? Uh, my husband worked for a large computer company. He was stationed at NASA. I taught, was teaching school in that area, and we met and married moved to Oklahoma because he was transferred, and we were several places in Oklahoma. Uh, Moved around Oklahoma until I finally convinced him that we've got to go to Texas. (laughs) So that's what we did. Where did y'all meet? Uh, In Houston. Okay. Uh, We, uh, single people apartment units. Okay. And out close to Hobby Airport in Houston. And uh, there were a lot of NASA guys. And he was connected to NASA and a lot of school teachers. <laughs> right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So you were teaching school. He was working for NASA. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. And why Chandler? Uh, my husband is, uh, int- he was introduced to uh, bass fishing by my family. Okay. And he uh, was suddenly obsessed with it. And he and one of his friends that was also in computer business, uh, found out about Lake Palestine. They were going to start to fill Lake Palestine, 
and they would make trips to see what they could see, where the deep places were, where the, you know, all of that. And so he looked at land. He decided that this may be a place that would be close enough to Dallas and and a place, you know, that we could spend our weekend time and mm-hmm. all. And we ended up buying property on Lake Palestine. Okay. Uh, left the big city <laughs> and moved permanently to Palestine. Okay. Or to Lake Palestine, out of Chandler. And then... And then, then what were you doing? I know you were a teacher. Where and how long? I, I taught school in Laporte, and also some on and off uh, uh, junior college work uh, around in that area. Yeah. I taught uh, high school life sciences and biology, and uh, again, just stayed connected to animals. Mm-hmm. I grew up with that, and had always. I never lived on a farm. Uh, but we always were out rural, <laughs> rural at t- a small town. And uh, so the animal thing was just what I had been doing, I guess, my entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, we always had baby somethings <laughs> that my mother had found somewhere or somebody brought to her. Right. And uh, so I just, that was just a natural thing for me. Okay. So, so then there's a plethora of animals. There that, was a plethora of animals. That something needs to be done with, and something there's that, nothing yeah. to do with them that you can really locate. We didn't know if there was a shelter or not. and uh, But we looked for a humane society, and Dr. John Morton, uh, he was the vet that we were using for our personal animals and also for the animals that we found that needed some attention. And uh, bless his heart, <laughs> he took on that load. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we found the Humane Society that he was helping them to, and we joined the group. And then in um, 1989, and I remember it oh so well, January 1st, (laughs) 1989, somehow or another, our leader then uh, agreed for us to take over the shelter here in Athens. Okay. Um, We did not know not Who? one single thing about running a shelter. We could take okay. care of animals. We just didn't mm-hmm. know about running a shelter. Right. Yeah. So, um, so there was already already a a structure or a a place for these animals. There was a right. shelter. It was the Athens uh, City Animal Shelter. Okay. It was a little metal building, and um, on January first, as I said, it was a day I'll not forget. <laughs> We went into this building, and it, it it was tough finding somebody to take care of animals. And, you know, at, at that point in time, it was what is now Aaron Street mm-hmm. uh, was just a dead end. Okay. Uh, uh, nothing beyond that uh, across from the city barns, mm-hmm. and it was just a little dirt driveway down to that building. Okay. And uh, we took it on, and with the help of a lot of people, uh, they were actually not working at the shelter but we had a lot of folks local folks that helped us a lot mm-hmm. and we turned that old metal building into something where we could take care of animals and it's been a long time since i've been there but it was really nice and quite an operation that y'all had going there for we did we uh, actually had an agreement with city of athens to use that property and we built the buildings that are there now mm-hmm. and uh then we also had agreement with the city of Athens that should we ever decide to give up uh, the shelter operation, that those buildings then would turn back to the city. Uh, and, and no one does 
anything forever. Sure. And uh, the more we learned about our situation with animals, the more we knew that doing what we were doing wasn't taking us as far as we wanted to go, as far as controlling the number of animals that didn't have uh, someone to take care of them day to day. Now, we're not, we have no illusions about how animals need to live, mm -hmm. but they need to have a decent place. Mm -hmm. And that may be out in their own backyard, or it could be, um, you know, in the house, or but they just need someone to feed them right. and to protect them and uh, and make sure that they're res they are the animals themselves are responsible members of a of a neighborhood <laughs> you know and not causing yeah, trouble yeah that's a big one that's a big one uh, but the, we had no idea how many animals actually were out there mm -hmm. i i don't think many people do i mean the number of animals that I would hear, you know, Melissa was volunteering with y'all for mm -hmm. quite a while, and Daily just the intake. numbers that y'all would, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Oh, it was unbelievable to us also. And then we started, you know, putting everything together we possibly could, you know, buying used kennels and mm -hmm. all sorts of things. And uh, it didn't look very pretty, but the, the animals were comfortable, and that was our goal. Mm -hmm. And uh, be sure it was clean and comfortable and they got the attention they needed uh the number of animals that w we would take in from day to day and we were there seven days a week mm -hmm. uh some days okay yeah. we could handle them as they came in some days it was just overwhelming um but you get into a mode of thinking that um whatever it is we got to do it. Right. I mean, we have to take them Find in. Find a way. It, because if we didn't take them, uh, the people who brought them there, and I won't say it was, that was the case every time, but most people who travel to a shelter with animals that they can no longer take care of or for some reason or another they just can't be the responsible person, they, right. uh, they're not taking them back home. Right. They're not. They're it's not. not this or that. It's this or put them Cut out them somewhere loose. yeah yeah and and that can be adult animals dogs and cats for the most part uh or it can be mom and pups or mom and kittens or just kittens or just puppies um it's all of that and then i know a lot of people that lived in this county for a long time remember when we had emus <laughs> we had donkeys <laughs> and yeah. animals that people just couldn't take care of and what do you do Open the gate. Open the gate. Right. Uh, and so we had some adventures along all the way through there. We, we started out with no um, county animal control uh, in the beginning. Our first, the county hired their first animal control officer, and I'm not clear on this, and we don't actually have any paperwork, but I believe it was in 2003 or four. Uh, they hired an animal control officer that had animal control experience, and he's since retired, but he knew the job. And uh, up until that time, uh, with the help, a lot of help from uh, law enforcement, both with the city of Athens and the county, the sheriff's department, we were out there doing animal control. People would call the shelter saying, we've got this, 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 and this. And we'd say, well, tell us about it. And if it was just simply going out and picking up animals, we'd go out and pick them up. And uh, 
my husband brought me an Astro van, and <laughs> we could care a lot of animals in an Astro so. van. Um, so. And we did that for uh, from '89 until 2003 or four, right in that time span. But um, you learn a lot when you're out there right. looking for a, a house that has a dog or a cat or kittens, oh, and sure. um, some real adventures, and then some things that you don't even like to think about sure. and try not to think about. <laughs> but uh, we were doing that animal control thing uh, for that many years. Uh, but it sounds like it was a pretty lucrative position for you. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely that sounds like you'd be well paid. And, oh, you, know, you bet. Uh, we were volunteers. Okay. And uh, we didn't actually have I couldn't afford a paid employee until um, we had some uh, state, uh, a state, what I say, project where people who were, wanted to work and were not prepared for a particular job, uh, the state would place them in different places. A lot of nonprofits, I think, like ourselves, uh, would offer work positions and we had people work like that we didn't pay them the state did and they had certain obligations to the state when they were working for but our first paid employee i think was probably maybe 93 94 something like that we could afford to pay some person half half a day to help us clean the rest of the time it was volunteers and there was usually two maybe three of us uh and we did all the things that you do at a shelter (laughs) And, and how many uh, how many days a week did this these two or three volunteers show up from eighty nine or ninety two two thousand and three? Seven day a week operation. You show up seven days a week. You can't just no. not go up there one day. And can no, you? and uh, fortunately we had people. Uh, uh, one one thing I remember is we had we had uh, community service, uh, and really it was like the probation uh, project offered by both, well, a lot of agencies do that, uh, law enforcement agencies. And those, there would be folks that needed to uh, go somewhere and do some community service, and they would come to us and, and work with us. And uh, you have some a really good uh, social teaching experiences when you do that, because if it's Christmas Day, you got to be there on Christmas Day. We tried to make it so you didn't have to do Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's, and all, but we traded around. But we had a fellow that did community service for us, and he actually loved the job. He worked a regular job, really good guy. He was from Athens. And uh, we uh, had some really cold, really bad weather around Christmas time, and that guy showed up Christmas morning. Really? <laughs> yeah. So not all of that is a bad experience, sure. you know, and so not everybody that has a certain, you know, uh, obligation is uh, somebody, I mean, they, they're valuable. Right. Yeah. So there are lots of good things that happen to us when they were there as far as people working, yeah. you know. So. so go back to the numbers of animals. Um, say an, if there, you can think of an average during the week and then maybe the the high end to what you would get so, and was it was it at certain times of year was yes it? Okay. we had uh certain times of the year uh 
and we learned one thing right before holidays we get a, a strong flow of animals uh, we in the very beginning uh, we had a lot of uh, calls to the, when we were still doing animal control we had a lot of calls for, uh, uh, for animals being loose out on North 19 between here and Canton and everyone claimed it was because you know the animals that were not sold in Canton uh, were dropped off we don't know all we know was that the first of the month, <laughs> we got lots of calls to go out North 19. Now, that has changed a lot uh, as far as Canton is concerned. Uh, and there, no one in Canton had any control over that. It's the same people it goes back to every time. That's the individual person who has these animals, and they choose to do stump, something that's irresponsible. Not only for the benefit of the animals, but it's irresponsible to your community. Yeah. It's irresponsible to every person that Everyone. is touched by any one of those animals. And for us, most especially the animals. It's all about uh, irresponsibility. But there wouldn't be animal shelters like the ones we have around here. Now, there would be private animal shelters always because there are people who are just going to do that. Um, but as far as uh, uh, county or city or regional animal shelters, they exist because of rabies laws. Uh, there has to be uh, some way uh, to uh, control the rabies in the population of both wild and uh, companion animals. And that's the reason why cities and counties and uh, tax money and all that, uh, why shelters really exist is because of that. There would, as I said, be shelters at any rate. But that's the reason why it is a function of uh, the health consideration via rabies. Okay. Yeah. So. so what are the numbers? The numbers, I always looked at it as numbers by the year. Okay because that could kind of gauge how the flow was going are we going the wrong direction are we going the right direction and sometimes going to bigger numbers means maybe we're doing a better job okay. maybe people are finding us and maybe they're taking care of the animal situation rather than doing the thing where uh, somebody else has to do the job of getting them where they need to go uh, so in our years, I'm going to say it, was, it ranged anywhere from 6,000 to a little over 7,000 animals a year. Now, we, in that number, we ordinarily didn't count the reclaims, animals that would come in. Owners are looking for them. They go back home. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the thing that's almost better than an adoption. Right. You know, yeah. put an animal back where it came from, and the people actually want it to come back. Sure. Yeah, so, uh, and then next would be an adoption, you know, get an animal in a, a place where somebody wants it. Um, but if I look at uh, the 29 years we were there, January 1st of 1989 to um, December 31st of 2017, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that, and that, like I said, that doesn't even count the animals that we never brought into the shelter. Right. Those, we went out and, you know, did a lot of things where we could get animals back to where they belonged, or someone would say, well, 
if nobody's going to claim that animal, you know, they just wanted wanted to have some help, yeah. you know. So I would gauge that there were far there were more animals than that. Sure. So a lot to say, and I really don't think that those name numbers have changed much. That's a sad commentary, but I just don't think they have. Now, I don't know that we're anybody that we're going to be looking at numbers. We never really publish numbers. If somebody asked us, we mm-hmm. would tell them that we got um, six litters of puppies yesterday, yeah. or we got, you know, uh, in one week. Um, well, Alyssa would tell you there were days where oh, yeah. it was unbelievable. <laughs> That's, that's what I was saying. I mean, yeah. we got a hundred. Unbelievable. Every, you know, we got a hundred. And we're putting them every place we possibly can till we can get them, you know, uh, put in a place where they're going to be comfortable mm-hmm. and it's going to be easy to take care of them so that we're not const- constantly having to roust them up, you know, to take care of them. But um, and, um, we had an agreement with Ginger Murchison before for her passing uh, she uh, told us that she would give us uh, $50,000, a little more, it was a little more than that, if we would match that with funds that we raised. And that would be money to build a new shelter on that property that I mentioned before, the uh, city of Athens. And um, we actually worked hard and we did match that money. And then we had one of our board members, actually she was president of our board for some time, uh, Carol Barton. She got busy and became a grant writer. Oh, really? <laughs> and she raised probably, through grants, she probably raised another $50,000. So uh, one of our board members uh, had told me in the beginning uh, that and then it was about 1992 uh, or three, something like that. He said, Norma, if y'all ever get that much money, give me a call. I'll oh, really? help you build a building. Man. He's still with us. Oh. You know him quite <laughs> I well. Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> yes. Uh, he owns he's property. He's still helping today, isn't he? Yes, he is. In <laughs> fact, this building we're sitting in right now, he's done a lot in this he building, is. which it's is pretty amazing. A work of art. Yes, it is a work of art. And then if people haven't seen it, they need to come look at it. Even if they don't want to buy anything right. from us, they need to come visit the building because it is kind of a phenomenon, it actually. Is. <laughs> but uh, so we raised the money, and I, one day I called David. <laughs> I said, David, we have the money. And oh. he laughs. He said, I didn't think I'd ever get that call. <laughs> but we built that large building that's out there. And then later on, we lost the building in the fire. And, in a fire, and the city uh, gave us what money they gained from the insurance. And then we, um, we finished off the building. So those structures out there, you know, were a result of all that. And I will say... And I say it every time somebody wants to talk about David and all of this. I think the most miraculous thing he's ever done. And David is uh, number one animal person. Yeah, he just is. Um, but he built that building out there for in, around in the neighborhood of a little over $100,000. That was. Did he do it single-handedly almost? or? Well, he was the contractor, but he... He was a home builder then uh-huh. in Tyler. 
and so he he knew how to choose people you know to subs to right come folks, in and do the work and then he also had us <laughs> yeah. and, and he'd say you know we need to have this done before so-and-so shows up to do something else mm-hmm. and he'd say this, this is the way you do it okay. and he'd hand us the tools and he'd say i gotta go finish a house y'all do this yeah. and we did and uh, then we had a lot of volunteer help we had a, a concrete pouring day oh, really? <laughs> where a yeah. lot of people in the city and the county came in and helped us out with that mm-hmm. and uh I think we did a fine job. David and I had traveled around the this part of the state looking at animal shelters to see what we did want and what mm-hmm. we didn't want, what was working for people, what wasn't, because we knew we didn't have but a little tiny bit of money, yeah. but we knew we needed a new building. And we were keeping that building livable by with spray foam actually (laughs) 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 to patch the holes and to do all of that um keep the animals from going out the holes that were (laughs) constantly occurring in that old building we had but uh, he did it and it's 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 different than most animal shelters but uh, yeah our goal was to have play yards to let animals go out and play uh to have air so that Mm -hmm. you don't get that animal shelter smell right and that's simply because you just have a lot of water going through and yeah. if the water doesn't dry up then that's what you smell mm-hmm. and uh, so but we looked at enough shelters that he knew exactly what we needed he drew the plans he did the whole thing yeah so uh, same with the other building <laughs> that's pretty amazing yeah he, he's got well it's, when you see somebody like that that's you know, he's part engineer part artist I mean they just see things that and how to do it and how it should look and how it should be and how it should work that yeah I, he's all of that others can't see and 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 besides that he's the jewel of a person yeah. he just really is uh but <laughs> if you give him a job and I, I always know that he's it's going to be done yeah. but he always goes just that next Duh. step you know and you don't know what it's going to be but you're anxious to see what it is because <laughs> it's going to be the next step yeah. it's not going to be just 100 percent. that's where they are but we have a few people that we absolutely have to thank first of all we need to start with ginger Merson. Mm-hmm. if she hadn't started with that bit of money and challenged us mm-hmm. and then we could say you know we need to pa- match this money if we're going right. to build a new building and then uh dr john morton you know, he did lots of stuff to help us along and make our make ourselves uh, present in the community. People knew, you know, who we were because what he allowed us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, dipping dogs at his little clinic when it was over where Walmart is now, right. and uh, those kinds of things. And and then I think David would come next. Now, the person who. Uh, actually organized the Humane Society and had all the legal work done, which is not a small thing. No, I bet not. Is with David's sister, uh, uh, Janet Jensen Kugel. And she was kind of a, <laughs> she was kind of a phenomenon also, <laughs> just a little different Runs than in the David. Family. Yeah, but a little different. And uh, so we have lots of those stories too. Yeah. But uh, those people are the ones that, you know, kept pushing and pushing us so that we could keep going. It's amazing what the right person can set in process, you know, in progress, uh, can get going and this is how it can snowball and build. Yeah, and well, there are bumps <laughs> everywhere, but um, I, 
you know, we're it, when we look back at what we did in the 29 years we were there. Now we had there was controversy, sure. and uh, one of the things that's going to come up, and uh, I don't see how you can avoid it if you're running a shelter where you take in animals that have been put out or have been somehow or another disconnected from their owner. That's not always a deliberate thing on the Mm -hmm. part of the owner. But nonetheless, they're out there. Uh, And the things that happen either to animals who don't have a good home Mm -hmm. and or animals that encounter things when they're uh, disconnected from their home, bad things happen to them. Sure. And you have animals that come in the shelter that you can't put into someone's home where there's other animals, mm-hmm. there are children, there are uh, neighbors, uh, all those things. And so if someone says that every animal that comes into a shelter is adoptable, that is fantasy. That is, that I mean, is that is just fantasy. Uh, either, yeah, it's almost at best, it's fantasy. Yeah, it's either lying, <laughs> fantasy, lying, or just really not paying much attention. And a lot of the times, and we've also said for a long time, there are two kinds, of sh- two kinds of shelters. There's a shelter that's run, animal shelter. There's a shelter that's run for the benefit of people or there's a shelter run for the benefit of animals. And when they were looking for someone to take over when we were leaving the shelter here in Athens, I had several people come to me to talk to me about, well, what would you say to me if I were to say to you, I would like to try to run that shelter? And I said, well, the first thing I'm gonna say to you is, you have to make up your mind from the very beginning, you're either gonna be a shelter that is run to benefit people. I mean, the image of those people or you're going to be a shelter that is going to run to benefit animals and those two don't always come together at in the middle what's the main difference how would you describe the differences or the uh, big differences well i i think a shelter that is run for animals you whatever decision you make every day uh and about every animal is about that animal and it's not if someone is going to get bent out of shape because of the decision you've made Mm -hmm. and it's not because making a particular decision is going to benefit you in a relationship with somebody out in the community or something you make the decision for that animal what you deem and when we were at the shelter we always would have a little gathering of the people who have come in contact with that animal. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think is the potential of this particular animal? And uh, but on the other side, I think a lot of shelters, and like it or not, everybody knows one where they are. Their program is directed toward having an image, uh, an image of being uh, doing everything uh, in a big way and uh, it's a uh, kind of for show for show thank you Paul I was trying to come up with a word that wouldn't be uh, too harsh (laughs) 
but mine harsh. Uh, yeah, a show, and uh, that could. I, I I don't really understand why decisions are made. If you are if you are concerned with the welfare of animals, I don't know why. Uh, a decision would be made by people in an animal facility to not put animals first. And what we used to say along the bottom of our, and we learned this the hard way, because in the beginning you do things that you think are going to make people happy. Right. And you know what? It turns out it's not always a good thing for an animal yeah. or animals. It's just not, because there's always that thing going on out there. And you and I talked about what is politics. There's that Surely word. there's no politics in <laughs> animal shelters. Oh. Surely. <laughs> well, you wouldn't, you would hope not, but there is. Uh, and we'd always put a line down the bottom of our, our paperwork. Um, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> That's a good one. That sounds like yeah. something that um, David would have yeah, come David, up with. Yeah, David liked that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is... I mean, uh, and, and yeah, we're kind of a little crazy. We don't mind being crazy yeah. at all um, because, um, and, and I guess pretty obsessed when it comes to it. And that is the exact reason why we left the shelter is because we felt like we weren't making the forward progress that we should have made in 29 years. Now we knew we were doing things that were helping animals, we knew that, and people would tell us that we weren't. And I'll tell you the main reason why, is because yes, we euthanized animals at that shelter. And the way, when I first started at the shelter, uh, Janet uh, Kugel, uh, David's sister, she had already been associated with shelter operations and she had already been associated with the fact that there are some animals that you can't place in a home and she kind of schooled me and took me down the road where I came to realize that no not every animal can go into a home and stay there you could put one in a home, but whether it stays there or not right. is, is the, the, the dynamics of the home, what the animals are like. And reputable shelters are um, the ones that have lasted for a long time and do really good work, and they're the oldest ones. There's in the Northeast, there's a lot of noted shelters, and there's some in Middle America and all, but noted shelters are the ones that, when they're adopting, they have very, very uh, straightforward policies about people who are adopting. And that's for the good of the family this animal's going to, for the animal itself, for the neighborhood, and all that. And some of those things seem harsh. And we've had people tell us, God, I could adopt a child faster than I can adopt an animal. Uh, a child can be taught, you know, what's acceptable. Right. An animal uh, will learn how to behave so that they are acceptable, but they can't just do that by watching television or something. Mm -hmm. The responsible owner teaches the animal, mm -hmm. and if the animal is not in tune 
to responding to people if they've had a hard time, yeah. if they've got disabilities, da, 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 on and on and on. Some animals just can't do that. Right. So are we going to lock them up? I mean, how many could you keep? You'd be feel full the first well, and week or month. We I mean, stretch it. Just... We stretch it as far as we could. Yeah. I mean, uh, but uh, and I can go through all the things that we did and the reason why we built that shelter the way we did, so we could uh, study animals for the period of time they were there and know mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Are they are they going to be able to make relationships with other dogs? Yeah. Their dog. Are they, if they're a dog, are they good with cats? If they're a cat, are they good with other cats? Are they um, intimidated by, say, men with hats on and that kind of thing? Are they that sensitive that things have gone wrong? Mm -hmm. Can we unteach that? Yes, you can. Uh, But sometimes it's some things that you just can't unteach, you know. And uh, because you can't talk to them and explain it to them uh, and... Animals, pretty much, and I've learned this, I mean, I've seen it my whole life, and therefore it's taught it to me. They live in the moment right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got a good life right now, you know. So we'd say, if we can give you three days yeah. of the best life you've ever had, <laughs> that's what we'll do. Right. But we're not going to lock you up somewhere where you never... Uh, have people come in and mm-hmm. have you, you know, sit down beside them sure. or, you know. Put their head in your lap yeah, or hop or up. or run your along head. beside you or play with the kids or just lay up in a window and watch for you to come home. Mm-hmm. Cats do that. Yeah. And we can't, that's not right. Sure. It's just not. And they're prisoners for their entire life and don't have any clue, uh, you know, as to what the deal is. So a shelter that's a, whatever you want to call it, a no-kill shelter. I mean, my impression is that they fill up almost immediately with pretty animals or easily adopted things. And then as maybe one or so gets adopted, okay, then we, we've got space for another one. We can take the next pretty thing that comes in or the next easily adoptable. Is it? Sort um, of how it works. I can't speak for every no-kill no. shelter, just the ones that I've sort of n- have known. Mm-hmm. And uh, a no-kill shelter is not a bad thing. No. But our attitude has always been about a no-kill shelter. Yes, be happy that you can do that and enjoy doing that. And that's not a bad thing. But please do not demonize the people that take the other road right. and must... Uh, in the lives of some animals that can't, there is no place for them. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing bad about a no-kill shelter. Right. Unless, of course, let me add this little caveat, unless you're refusing to take in animals that you feel are not adoptable, you can't tell that by looking at an animal. Right. You cannot. It can be the fluffiest, prettiest little thing you have ever seen, but that animal may not be an animal that you could take out of that home, the person that's bringing it to mm-hmm. you, and put in another home. Right. That's how animals get returned to a shelter again. Yeah. So you can't tell by looking at an animal. You have to, you have to take it in, spend a little time with it, and 
be able to at least evaluate the animal. How do you know something is not adoptable by looking sure. at it? It's just like, how do you know you like a person until you've <laughs> talked with them or you've, yeah. you know, uh, you can't know that. Right. So the only problem I have would be with a no-kill shelter that just says, well, we're full. And that's typically what they do. Yeah. We're full. We can't take in anything else. Mm-hmm. What they're saying to you is that if that animal were adoptable, by what we can see, we would take it in. Okay. Our group, our entire group, has always had a problem with that. Go ahead and badmouth people that must put animals down uh, because we know that that is the kindest thing to do to these animals if they cannot be put into home. If you can't be a dog, what's the point? If you can't be a cat, what's the point? They're companion animals. Mm -hmm. They're not animals that, and of course I shouldn't say this, but most people who uh, have the philosophy we have, we don't do zoos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I bet there were a lot of tears shed at the... uh shelter out there oh you betcha <laughs> <laughs> there are for uh for good things and for not so good things oh yeah well there's lots of times where you you know you you laugh until you cry sure <laughs> and i have a hard time talking about any of it yeah um you're very passionate about it and you've you've done a lot of good and continue to do it so let's get off the shelter since you're not there anymore and Tell us what you're doing today. Okay. We came, uh, we decided, uh, we started thinking about it really about uh, 2015, somewhere in there. We started, gosh, you know, we're doing all this and da-da-da-da-da, and it's the constant thing. And and we've lost some people because uh, they just couldn't handle all of that. And so we it started kind of going through our head that maybe there's something different we could do. And we knew from almost maybe year two or three that the only solution to the problem is spay-neuter. Mm-hmm. If, if they can't reproduce, then we're not going to have these numbers. If, if, if there is not a litter of puppies or a litter of kittens or a mama that's just constantly having kittens, as we hear, or a mama that's constantly having puppies. Man, I don't know what is she's doing that, How you know. in the world does that happen? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, then there wouldn't be so many of them out there. Mm-hmm. And some people get more than they can take care of. And a lot of those people are people who absolutely are compassionate with animals. They mm-hmm. just can't a control vol- it. Anybody's going to get run over by a volume at some point. Yeah. So we decided there's got to be something else we can do. We... Um, through Carol Barton, who first bought this building we're in uh, for a thrift store. We, we were a traveling thrift store before that. We okay. just went, had a garage sale, any place anybody would let's use a okay. building to raise money. And uh, But she bought a building over down here on Larkin Street, but it was a, a board building, metal, uh, not a, it was a wooden building. Mm-hmm. And people were constantly breaking into the okay. thing, taking the stuff. And so uh, she bought this building. Uh, for uh, a thrift store and we were still at the shelter so shelter people didn't do this but we would come over and you know do some things donut thing donate things and do things like that but um, uh, we had a a group of older ladies that 
didn't do the shelter kind of thing, and they ran the shelter, uh, ran the litter box, and the main lady who ran it, she named it the litter box. That's cool We've name. tried. That's <laughs> we, a cool name. <laughs> we every once in a while we think, oh, wish we had a different name, but the litter I box like just it. says it. I like it. Yeah. So. Um, Eventually, Carol deeded the building over to the Humane Society. So the Humane Society owns this building. And um, this is different. This is not. When you say the Humane Society. We are still the Henderson County Humane Society. Okay. We, uh, we uh, got our charter in 1985. Okay. And have all the legal work. We are uh, IRS designated nonprofit, okay. and we there are lots of humane societies that do not run shelters. Mm-hmm. They do other things, sure. uh, and we're still the humane society. We're okay. still the Henderson County Humane Society, like we've always been, but we've taken on this project, and it was called the Litter Box when it was first bought and set up and so we continued that but we're still uh the henderson county main site and and operate like that okay okay i mean we still connect with animals do things animals that uh the thing we do most though is help people get their dogs and cats spayed and neutered okay. that's our main goal is that when you said that uh maybe i think it was 2015 that you said that you just realized things weren't changing um yeah that was that the issue would you just the numbers were well two two issues uh we uh had tried and and we made some progress uh first of all we were part of the operation to get a actual on paper uh animal control ordinance for the county and then we were uh instrumental in fact we actually wrote the next amendment to the uh, animal control ordinance, which gave uh, law enforcement a little bit more power in handling uh, animal control situations. Nope. And, uh, but then we could never make a dent in the fact that there are people out there who are just irresponsible pet owners. Okay. They're the problem. But we'll go and talk politics again um the interaction between people there there are times when uh, you can't get um a power base together to make the change like they like they have done in many many cities now when we were leaving the shelter we went through a a really horrendous thing of name calling and all that kind of thing uh, like I was telling you earlier, I think we were the first people to be canceled oh. <laughs> in Henderson <laughs> County. Uh, but uh, we went through a thing where people wanted to talk about euthanasia all the time. And uh, that's that's something that makes people unhappy. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand it. Uh, they And we have issues like that before us right now that it's, I think, from a lack of uh, not looking at both sides of it. Right. I mean, it's like looking at no-kill and and so-called kill shelters. Right, yeah, that's uh, There are shelters, and then there are no-kill shelters. No. So, but at any rate, we couldn't we couldn't put a dent in that. The, no one really wanted to jump on the wagon of mm-hmm. uh, being 
uh, putting the pressure on people who obviously were irresponsible pet owners and were adding to the problem of okay. overpopulation in this county. Mm -hmm. And there are some outstanding examples of that where people would have a hundred cats or maybe a hundred dogs or 50 cats and 50 dogs, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. In a house or on a, a, in a house piece of property. Yeah. Or around a house, yeah. lots yeah. of times in, in a house. Um, and there was just a hesitation to what I would call uh, becoming, get a firm hand on that. And we thought, we're spending money that we saved through the years that was donated to us to do our job. We're having to spend that to run this shelter, and we're getting very little monies as everything prices rise, and they sure. always do, and they still are. Uh, we couldn't get additional monies to, to take care of that problem, and we knew one day we were going to look up and say, we don't have any more money. Yeah. We don't have any more money. And uh, we didn't want to do it that way. We didn't want to leave the county without a shelter. Mm -hmm. There's a shelter in Tool, but this county's a big county. There's yeah. a lot of animals, too. Uh, but so we decided that we were going to have to say, okay, this is when we're gone. Okay. Uh, and we knew that our job was going to be figure out some way that we could work on what we know is the solution. There is no other solution than spay and neuter. Right. The, but spay and neuter also, that happens when you have a responsible pet owner. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a lot of people can't do it financially, so we decided, well, the way to do it is to help these people when they say, well, I can't afford to get it spayed or neutered. Well, we're going to make it affordable okay. for you. And that's when we decided that that was our project, and we let the city and the county know um, a year ahead of time that we're, we were leaving at the end of 2017. Mm -hmm. And we, talk, we thought about it for two, two, about a year and then some. Yeah. Uh, but we knew, that, we knew that's what we needed to do because otherwise we were just probably going to run to the end of the road and just, the whole project just fall over the edge. Mm -hmm. And that would mean that this county then would not have a shelter uh, big enough to hold, you know, the animals that are coming in. So that's what we did, and we came here. We didn't know if we could do this or not. We <laughs> had no idea, and but people donated to us, yeah, and have. we learned how to do things, and we're still learning, and uh, we're probably going to end up making some changes. A lot of things are changing, and we're probably going to change too. Uh, moving forward, we, um, we're not ever going to be static, I don't think. I think we're forever going to find the next step. Sure. Uh, we have a lot of vets that we could not do this project without them because we uh, asked the pet owner to come in, give us $20. Uh, we write up a contract for spay-neuter, and we have veterinarian clinics that are across the county and one in Smith County mm -hmm. that will do the surgery for um, whatever that particular clinic decides that they can do. Uh, not every price is the same. One clinic charges one thing, another clinic charges something else, and that's up to the veterinarians uh, at that clinic. And um, then we keep the $20 from the pet owner, and we are billed. 
whatever the vet decides that bill is. Okay. And we pay that bill. And so we we better sell a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So I have an animal, a dog or a cat, that I cannot afford to get spayed. I want to get spayed or neutered, and I just cannot financially do it. What does that cost generally if you just go to a reasonably priced veterinarian uh, in Henderson County? Yeah. What might that cost? I think you better start thinking around in the neighborhood of 85 to $100. Okay. Uh, and that's just for that because oftentimes, I mean, this is – this is my cat. It's not a show cat. I don't carry it around in the purse when I go to Lowe's or I go out to eat. I don't. This this is just my cat that stays at my house. Mm -hmm. What other charges might there be okay. when I take this? Well, when you give us twenty dollars uh, for the surgery itself, uh, then we t say on that piece of paper that we'll pay for the surgery. That includes the anesthesia for the surgery, the pain meds that are given during the surgery, and uh, if there's something like if the animal uh, female is in heat, mm -hmm. we will pay the extra there. Okay. Uh, if the if the animal is already bred, we will pay the extra there. Okay. Uh, and we also pay for a rabies shot. That okay. is a requirement. An animal living, a companion animal living in the state of Texas, mm -hmm. when it reaches four months of age, should have a rabies shot. Okay. So. Um, we pay for that. So that's what the $20, we take that $20. Um, and a lot of things come up, like some a vet office might call and say, hey, this animal's got a problem, a health problem. Uh, it just happened just not too many days ago. We really need to run some extra tests, like we'd like to see uh, run a blood uh, screen on this animal just to see what we're dealing with because mm -hmm. we think this is this or this is this or this, and we really need to do that before we do the surgery. Can y'all pay for that? Well, we can pay for that. Now, we can't pay for major surgery. Sure. But we do those things, and, and we're asked if we can, and we do what we can in those cases. Okay. And um, so, but we have kind of a new thing that's happened to us. Uh, about three weeks ago, myself and the uh, team member that I work with, we came to we come in at six since it's been hot mm -hmm. and we get here at six and uh i was a few minutes late <laughs> and, uh she was already here and she in kind of a little bit of panic she's kind of kind of new and she didn't ever work at the shelter but we had a little gift sitting in our front door. oh really yeah a little dog in a little wire cage uh, with five puppies oh really uh, the vet estimated they were probably around a week old, but she had some major problems okay. caused by birth. So we were going to just try to get in or get her into the shelter because small dog, mm -hmm. highly adoptable, probably going to be adoptable puppies, yeah. you know, but then we could see she had a problem. So she's now, <laughs> so where is she at now? <laughs> Right now, uh, she is at my house. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sure uh, that rarely happens. Or, yeah. Oh. Uh, well, you know, we've had many, many cats dropped here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were up to, uh, we were even as far as getting everybody spayed and neutered and yeah. getting some of them homes. But we got a new one yesterday or the day before that. We spotted a new one scampering oh, really? around out there. Yeah. So that's going to happen to us. And we do those things um, when when they pop up. Um 
and we're doing about uh, now we're doing about 65 vouchers a month so we're talking somewhere in the neighborhood by the time we pay for everything we've got to pay. So we're paying right, probably around the neighborhood, of, depending on the bet. Some are more, some are less. Uh, we're And anything extra we're throwing in there, we're probably paying around 80 to $90 per. Okay. So, uh, but again. So they pay 20. Uh-huh. They say, I've got to, I want to get this animal spayed or neutered mm -hmm. they pay 20 mm -hmm. you take that 20 pass it on to the vet in addition to whatever we keep the 20 we, and the vet, goes in vet the, bills us right. and then that just goes into to our, in the kitty. our kitty for, okay. for paying and um we're all volunteers here uh we own the building we're a nonprofit. what we pay is uh the insurance and utilities um, and occasionally we have things that we have to have, like, you know, fire extinguishers right. and <laughs> electrical work yeah. and plumbing work and that kind of thing. New roofs. Yeah, it's just like having a house, yeah. <laughs> just it's, like having a business of any kind. You got of. stuff, yeah. And But basically the bulk of that money, other than those things I just mentioned, that money goes to pay veterinarians. So uh, we, we were just giving out vouchers hand over fist but we're not going to be a group that doesn't pay their bills <laughs> and right. so we we had to kind of figure what we could do and also these vets are making a living i mean they're trying to make a living for their families mm -hmm. and do what they want to do for their families they can't be spending all their time uh doing spay and neuters and they do give us consideration the fact that you know we have a project sure. going here uh and uh, and it's we're just grateful of that there are vets that'll do that and uh, but we don't want to ever be where we're not paying them right. <laughs> yeah. so we've had to kind of uh, take all that in consideration and and you talk about either being a business or being a project right. or whatever we are a project that is a business okay. <laughs> and so we have to consider all those things so what um, do you what is the business here in this building, this beautiful, artistically... Well, it does building. have some added features, doesn't it? This is the best room in the building, okay. needless to say. Uh, David, uh, our token genius, <laughs> not even token, he really is. He is uh, we have... Um, and we originally rented the building across the street, which is the old feed store. Uh, we rented it for storage, but it turned out a lot of people wanted to see what we had stored. So... <laughs> We have been selling out of that building. Um, I don't know. It's hot, hot in the summertime and cold, cold, cold in the wintertime. Yeah. And the building is not a building that you can air condition or heat. Yeah. I mean, we don't have that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, at any rate, uh, we're probably going to back off of that a little bit. Okay. That was probably going to be uh, uh, our 2.0. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, that will be a while away. Uh, but basically this building uh, was uh, looked different when we first came in but David's been really busy yeah. and then we throw in what little bit we know about you know displaying things sure. and, and make it kind of pretty and mm -hmm. all like that and uh, we don't put out anything that uh, we try to look at everything now I'm not saying we don't put out stuff that's got some dents in it or and it's all things that some of it's new 
Some of it's almost new. <laughs> People have been really good to us with so giving us things. you've got clothes, you've got books, you've got odds and ends. You would call it, would it be a thrift store? Would that be a well, good definition, a goodwill type? It is. It's a little of everything. We've got, oh, and we have ours divided into departments. Okay. We've got a bath and beauty department. We've got an arts and crafts department. Uh, we have an electrical department. Okay. We have uh, <laughs> a... Um, Camouflage clothing department. Man, that'll <laughs> yeah. be popular right there. <laughs> right there, it yeah. Sure is. And uh, and we have this room, which is right now we have it kind of geared toward exotic animals. We got pictures. We got yeah. stuffed animals. We got, you know. So if you have a thing for exotic yeah. animals, the little things to set around. <laughs> well, and we have some fairly expensive things, but we have our $5, what we call our $5 side. The, the building is divided into two parts. Our $5 side, you can take a 13-gallon trash bag, and in that room, including our book room, uh, you can fill that bag for $5. And, uh, and people fill, fill that, that bag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then the rest of it is just like a regular garage sale. Okay. Uh, we say everything's priced we're hoping we've got a price on everything there are a lot of things in here but there's a lot of stuff yeah there is a lot of stuff and there's some very interesting things and going through all of it uh it's kind of an interesting project i'll bet so yeah but um we we are not real sure what's going to happen with things going the way they are with the economy and all but uh we're i mean it's good and uh people are still you know, have things that they don't want their house anymore. A lot yeah. of people are downsizing, right. so that's our benefit. And we have some pretty unusual things. We're hoping pretty soon to be able to get some of the things that are a little different, maybe a little quirky, uh, on fa on our Facebook, okay. and start trying to sell some things that way. Um, maybe broadening the. Mm -hmm. uh, but anybody that's been in town on a Saturday morning about nine o'clock. We got a line waiting to get in at 9 o'clock. Oh, really? Yeah. First and third Saturdays from 9 to 3. And uh, the reason why we have, we started out being open every Saturday. We just couldn't get this building refilled okay. in a week's time. Yeah. I mean, there's like, you go through every bit of clothing, you go through every single box. And really? if it needs to be washed, it gets washed. Mm -hmm. If it needs to be whatever. You know, we do what we can to make it something that somebody actually sure. could take home with them. Mm -hmm. And there's weird things and there's <laughs> there's really nice things. But um, we first we started out with every Saturday, and we figured out we just couldn't do a good job. We yeah. would have places that didn't have anything, or mm -hmm. and so we've changed and we've changed it and changed it until we got comfortable first and third Saturdays unless a holiday's involved. Okay. And um, that's, I think that's worked well for us. People are looking forward to coming. They come every Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> that's not much fun. Right, yeah. <laughs> like having to go to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, first and third Saturday seems to be working. And uh, we, have, uh, we have a line out there. And so what about bringing stuff to sell? If, okay. if someone has something that they want to bring? Um, okay. We take, uh, the only things we don't take is we don't take old carpeting and we don't take uh, tires. Right. Uh, but, uh, and old televisions, you know, the televisions with the big the giant, backs. Yeah, they weigh 85 pounds. Well, yes, and we found out that 
the, and we're getting older every day. The ladies in here, we had the misfortune, two of us tried to carry one of those big TVs and we dropped it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so we can't do big televisions. I got gotcha. you. Uh, no old televisions. No. But, and, and, you know, we are not, uh, the health department forbids our selling mattresses right. and things like that. Now, if you have something that's really good, we can we can point you to someone who'd like to have that. Okay. Yeah, but we cannot sell. So you're them. a resource. Yes. At times. Uh, but uh, I mean, we put out new things every single week, and now it's taken us about two weeks. And sometimes we're running up against the wall trying to get it all in here by the end of two weeks, yeah. uh, so that we have something new, and that it all is. Uh, like I said, if it's dirty, we wash it. Now, if we've got an old um, you know, lantern or something like that. We can't always get that sparkling, and I, no. I and it loses <laughs> its charm when it's sparkling. You know, yeah. so we just usually put those kinds of things out, just like they look. Um, so when can people drop things off? Once I mean, you uh, don't want it just sitting on your front porch when you get here, like the, well, uh, do you? Sometimes if somebody loses something on the porch, by the time we get here. Uh, somebody else has already been through it okay. so if you really want us to have it then it's best to come any Tuesday or Thursday between 9 and 3 or any uh, any the first or third Saturday from 9 to 3 okay, while you're open for, yes while okay. we're here now if you have something and you simply can't get here during those times uh, you can uh, call our phone here which is the old Henderson County Humane Society phone number, and we give you phone numbers that you can call and say, is there going to be somebody there on, say, Monday at 1.15 or something? Can I bring something then? Mm -hmm. And Or if you happen to drive by and you see that we're walking back and forth across the street, <laughs> you know, we would rather have it in our hands sure. and, and uh, unload it into the building rather than have it put out on the sidewalk. Uh, there's lots of things that happen when stuff's put out sure. on the sidewalk. So. Is there a best place to go for people that want to find your phone numbers and your dates you're open or anything that might be updated? Well, we have uh, our Facebook, okay. and uh, it's oh. under uh, Litterbox. Okay. And um, I believe it also has, you're asking me, a territory that I don't cover right now, but it's uh, Litterbox, and it's a... Uh, uh, Henderson County Humane Society because okay. we still are the Henderson County Humane Society and we'll we'll be until I don't know yeah. <laughs> where that point is uh, and uh, again if you call uh, the number listed for us uh, it's a number we've had for 30 something years uh, we have an answering machine and that, answer, that message will give you a cell phone number for myself and our board president and we can tell you whatever it is you need to know about bringing something or if we we don't always know if we have something mm -hmm. sometimes we know you know if you're looking for something sometimes we know we have that right. uh, but sometimes we say well we get that but and we might have it next month we don't have it right now but we have a good customer base oh, and we're a, we're proud of this and we're making a dent so with us and the Friends of the Animals in Gunbarrow City, uh, I, it, it's going to make a change. I just wish we could make a change uh, on holding people accountable for the animals that they decide that they 
want or need to have. I don't know which one it is. And then are not responsible in how they handle those animals. That's the problem. Irresponsible pet owners. Now, Paul, you have heard me say that for years and years. But that's it. And that it's irresponsible pet owners. And we're trying to help people uh, who... And it doesn't matter to us if you think you can afford it or if you just, I don't know, want to take advantage of the offer we're making. No. That's fine. We don't have a problem with that. Not at all. Our goal is to get animals spayed or neutered. And that's, um, that's what we're going to do as long as we can make money here. Well, there are people that just cannot afford it for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Then there are, I mean, and then there are, you know, I don't know, just people that just won't do it and that's just beyond me to understand but the thing that prompts them to do the spay neuter is they understand that if they don't then they're going to have more animals than right. they want to have it's going to happen yeah it will happen and uh that we can't change that unless we change the the animal and it's to the animal's benefit also yeah. You know, there are a lot of health situations that are avoided for older cats and dogs that mm -hmm. just don't happen if they, you know, have that surgery. And it's even for your ferals, you know, you think, well, animals going to have surgery and then we're just going to put it back out there. Yes, vets know what to do. Right. You know, that's we depend on the vets and they're going to do what's the best thing because uh, that's what they're there to do. And... Um, uh, it's basically if we can continue to do that then there will come a time and there are places uh, that have I like to say rules rather than laws have the rules in place so that when you decide you're going to take on an animal there's some things you're going to have to do it's just like owning a car or owning property somewhere uh, I, you know if you don't mow your grass in some places <laughs> right here where we're sitting <laughs> you will pay for not having done that and and until we get some rules in place that cause irresponsible pet owners to also have to pay if they don't do the right thing um, or do the responsible thing it may they may not see it as the right thing but it is the responsible thing to your community until we get some rules in place we're always going to have the problem and tax money is going to be spent on that problem. They are. It's and I'm going to tell you, there's go been a the lot of money spent in the last three years since the end of 2017. Mm -hmm. When we left the shelter, there's been a lot of money spent by taxpayers to have shelters in this county. What's the number that for people? I mean, do you, do you have a budget? number that you can recall i mean here's you mentioned a while ago or a while back about not mentioning numbers to the public on the um, number of animals that okay. were coming in might that be something that well if you are a uh an, uh, an animal facility that is a non-profit and even if you are contracted to a municipality or a county mm -hmm. or whatever, you are not bound to reveal any of those numbers. Right. Now, people can get those numbers if they want to go to court 
and get them, but you're not bound to release those numbers. Right. Uh, we never were, but um, and I just wanted we would just tell pe- we would tell people we wouldn't give them a specific number right. about how many animals we were adopting out and how many animals we were uh, uh, having to euthanize. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we always said, and this, and I can tell you right now that I know this is still true. Uh, not as far as animals that are euthanized, but animals of the kind of animals that uh, come into a shelter, they're not animals that have homes. Mm-hmm. They're animals that one way or another have found themselves out on their own, right. with or without offspring. Mm-hmm. And I would say 60% of those animals, what they've been through and what they've experienced with people and other animals, you can't put those animals right. in a home. Yeah. So we'd always say six out of ten. And and we never wavered for that right. from that. Six out of ten. We were hoping that people would understand that a lot of those are offspring of animals that have been put out on their own. And mm-hmm. what's gonna happen? Nature is gonna do its thing. Yeah. It's just gonna happen. How many Females have you seen walking down the highway that obviously they got puppies and they're out scouring for food to feed those puppies because that's what a mama's going to do. And somewhere along the way, that animal had an owner. And that owner was irresponsible. And a lot of those mamas, if you can get them in, bring them in, they're great animals. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just are. And they're grateful, but some of them, bad things have happened. The number I was uh, really more curious that if it would have an effect if people knew was just the numbers that was coming into the show. Not what was, not how they were dealt with. Disposition. Just, just, I think if people knew that, you know, we were getting 100 a day of this and that, or we averaged, you know, so many a week and... It's just that that number of people would just be like, no way. That well, I will tell you this. I can te- I know what the largest number that we ever got in one day. I know that number because it's welded <laughs> into my mind. 74. 74. Dogs. 74 dogs in a single and, day. In a single day. And we were open uh, then from, I believe it was from 8 to 3. So between 8 and 3 in that Seven one hours. day... We got 74 dogs. That didn't count the cats. So uh, it was dogs. And the reason why I know that is because the buckle of those dogs came out of one car. Really? And it was a a shocker. But we had lots of weeks where we might end up with 300. 300. Henderson County, Texas, 300 animals. And, I, and I'll tell you week. this, for a long time, and I don't know what it is now, because I haven't been at the shelter for since the end of 2017, so I can't speak to that. There's a few things I do know about it, but I can tell you this, that back up until that time, for 29 years that we were there, the majority of the animals that came in were brought, by, brought in by individuals. Now, what I'm telling you is 
that that is not how many animals are picked up by animal control. Right. The people in this county have always been pretty good at animal control. And for years they had to be yeah. uh, because they would just come across these animals. I mean, do they have an option? Or what's, what's somebody in the county's option now? Well, I mean, say you, you know, you live out in the country or you live wherever and you've got a stray something or another that you can't or don't want and your option is to call uh if you we and we get still get phone calls like that mm -hmm. i get phone calls on my cell phone people asking you know i've got this or that and what can i do and i said well uh do you live in a city limits start there first and if they don't then i say well then you will need to call you'll need to call the sheriff's department if you live out in the county and you're not a city, city limits you call your city law enforcement okay. because ordinarily animal control is attached to mm -hmm. uh, the police or the sheriff's department in yeah. most counties and that's the case here uh, for the most part uh, and you tell them what your situation is and they will and a lot of times I'll tell them you know you're just going to speak to a dispatcher but they, that dispatcher will pass your message on to an animal control officer and then that animal control officer can get back to you because the animal control officer doesn't always have a phone that sure. he can answer. Um, I do know this, that for the most part, uh, animal facilities now are contracted to either county or city to take in the animals that animal control brings in. So if you just show up with whatever is on your doorstep this morning. I don't know that there's a guarantee that you'll be able to get in. I would say there's definitely no guarantee and the, probably the odds are pretty slim if it's well, not the, something the, pretty and well, new and little. Um, there was a time, you know, when shelter doors were open, you just We'd go to the shelter, go to the, the entrance, wherever it was, and present whatever you had, and um, they'd be taken in. But a lot of things have changed, and that's one of them. Okay. Uh, and, and I think that contracts are written now, are written mostly for <clears throat> taxpayer money to be spent uh, on animals that animal control picks up. Now, there are big time exceptions to all of that. Mm -hmm. People can call, they can contact people at the shelter and the shelter will say yes, no, you know, or give you a time that you could do that or how, what the procedure is for getting those animals into the shelter. Uh, but I don't, I don't know of too many shelters right now. And I, I'm not speaking just to Henderson County. I'm mm -hmm. talking anywhere that you just walk in. Yeah. That, that's, animal sheltering like it gets pushed onto the responsibility of the citizens I mean to well to I will something. tell you this uh, there is a lot also changed in the amount of money that animal holding facilities get mm -hmm. from both counties and municipalities okay yeah I can tell you that the facility here in Athens uh, when we left uh, at the end of 2017, the county ran the shelter for a year. 
And then the next year, they were looking for somebody else to run the shelter. They found it felt like it was an over, I mean, it was a burden. Sure. And realized what running an animal shelter is really all yeah. about. And so they were looking for somebody else to do it. Uh, the amount of money that they realized the amount of money they were giving us when at the end of 2017 wouldn't even touch what it cost to run an animal shelter. Um, so they found out what that money was. And then they, uh, we weren't interested in going back to the shelter um, because we'd already figured out that the goal is to get them spayed and neutered. Yeah. We can't do that, you know, so at the shelter. So, um, Anyway, there was a, an agreement made with the Humane Society of Cedar Creek Lake uh, and to run the shelter here in Athens. And it ended up that a con they had a contract for three years uh, for a total of somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.1 million. Wow. Y'all could have done a lot with that back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> So, but we're happy doing what we're here doing. We, we, it's not that we don't understand that the problem's still out there, mm -hmm. but we feel, we feel like that maybe along with the... Yeah, you're on the wrong side of the problem if you're on the receiving end of animals that are already in this world, right? You, you're trying to... Yeah. It took us a while to realize that you, you, sometimes you have to be single-minded if you're going to tackle the problem, Focused. really, yeah, you got the, that one thing, that one thing will solve the problem. There's lots and lots of places in this country that know that, mm -hmm. realize that, and they have the rules that provide for that. But it's real hard for people that are making those decisions to make a decision that's going to put a burden on the individual pet owner. There are a lot of people that don't want to have their animals spayed or neutered, but and burden gets well, just like you, yeah, just like you buy <laughs> a license for anything, you can buy a license to not have your pet spayed or neutered, and it's done all over this country, and it's really not that hard. The hard part is actually making the decision, putting it on paper, and then handling the backlash yeah. from people who really don't like that. And I mean, I can understand that. I mean, you know, it's one of those kind of things. Uh, less government's better government. But. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah. Um, I would, but you still. Are there any places where there's less government? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> but uh, there is a solution to this problem. We're just going to have to face it. Yeah. And uh, we're facing it the only way we can, uh, you know, on our level is to get them as many as we can and our and that is our goal mm -hmm. and people say well they did such and such and such and such that's not right for them to come and get a, a voucher and yeah. what we say to them but we know that animal is spayed right. and we know that's, that that's animal is neutered and that is our concern yeah. that they get spayed or neutered uh, better life for the animal and uh, fewer animals that have to be put out right or better, better abandoned or whatever and uh, so <laughs> we kind of look at it as you know this grabbed hold of us many many years ago and I'm not the only one mm -hmm. you know I'm certainly I'm not the only one uh, there's a lot of people there are a lot of people do uh, companion animal work and we're 
we're not all the same. Yeah. But our group pretty much is all the same. <laughs> we're a small group, but we we're pretty much have that one one goal, like you say, focused. Yeah. And uh, and seems like it's a good problem to to fix. Well, try to fix. You know, every day you're doing that much. A little bit of something. That much, and eventually it ends up being a whole bunch. What if so, somebody wants to help out rather than? Just bringing your stuff for your deal. Well, they can come in. You need volunteers? Oh, yeah. (laughs) If we had (laughs) volunteers, the world would be a different place. Uh, Yes, we And it doesn't have to be uh, a lot of hours to come in. You know, if you can spare a couple of hours a week or a couple of three hours every other week, just come in sometime. And basically, uh, every day of the week, there's somebody here. And that's between nine and three. Okay. And you may have to hunt around for us. We got a doorbell, <laughs> and that doorbell is connected to the building across the street because okay. some days we're just over there. Okay. But you ring the doorbell, just come in and visit, and we can show you some of the kind of things we do. And it's not, it's not, uh, what can I say? It, well, you go through a lot of clothing. Okay. <laughs> you go through a lot of boxes of people that they've cleaned out their drawers and mm-hmm. their closets. And so just imagine what if you did, were doing at that <laughs> at your house. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of things we do. And we go through everything. Uh, we have a lady that goes through all the books. <laughs> and uh, she's the only one right now doing books. If you have a thing for books, she'd probably appreciate some help. Okay. Uh, we have a group of ladies that they do nothing but clothing. And they go through every piece to see if it's clean, if it's uh, torn, or anything like that. And, of course, uh, we can launder anything. And uh, then uh, right now we have uh, two of us. It's a team that goes through the boxes of stuff that's other kinds of things. And uh, to me, that's the big adventure. <laughs> Although so. going through T-shirts with things written on them can be a real adventure <laughs> <guess> too. So, <laughs> so oh, uh, the ladies good. are entertained by that. But you're entertained regardless <laughs> of what you're doing, and and it it's it's kind of rewarding to see the kinds of things that people will give to us, mm-hmm. and with the promise we make to them that we'll make the best use of it we can you know we'll get as much money as we possibly can out of it some way or another and uh people like to come in and shop they have have a good time put things Mm -hmm. in a bag or just gathering things up so we we got a good all our grandkids do yeah oh yeah well kids come in and we've had kids that actually in the years we've been here which is what four now uh they were coming in when they were little, yeah. and we had a little fellow that came in when he, oh, all he did was run around when he come in with his dad and mm-hmm. his two sisters, and now he's graduated, he's got his own wallet and his okay. own money, and he comes in and he does his own, <laughs> picks out stuff, he comes and asks what the price, and he even will try to get us negotiate to, yes uh, yes right. <laughs> he'll say well Man, this we... doesn't work on this <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's lessons. i mean we have some we have a real good customer base and then we have new people come people come through town and uh, 
We think we bring a lot of people into town on Saturday. I bet you do. You do. <laughs> I've been hearing it's been really crowded. That's yeah. right. So we're, we feel um, there's a lot of things that we wish we were doing more of. Uh, we wish we just had herds of them that were coming in and getting, but there's a lot of people I think that would have never thought about getting an animal spayed or neutered that are doing that. When we first started in 1989, most people didn't even know what those words meant. Right. So we tried to change from fixing to spay neuter, <laughs> okay. you know, yeah. and stock people have been doing that for forever. Yeah. They control their animals, what they have by you know mm-hmm. surgical means or yes. whatever you're right and uh so uh our problem with cats and dogs is they're on the open market they're not as valuable mm-hmm. as some other animals yeah. are yeah right. but if we can get them down where the numbers are low enough yeah. they will become more valuable you're right they just will and they don't have to be purebred to be yeah. uh, to have no, value <laughs> they don't but there's people, well, all you got to do is watch TV, mm-hmm. and you see. I, I challenge anybody to watch a stream of commercials any time on television that at least half of them don't involve a cat or a dog mm-hmm. or a horse or something. Or yeah. something. Uh, you know, it's um, so really we right. need to do the part of our lives. Yeah, we need we to do the best we can for them. Treat them a little better. You know about that. You. You've brought in more than one little tiny <laughs> stray kitty that uh, ended yeah. up somewhere, and yeah. uh, we used to watch the dog. We used to what, we're not baby. What do we do um, when a mother came in with a litter or something like that? What uh, and y'all didn't have room for all of them. We would. What do you call that? Babysit them. We would keep them for a few yeah, weeks till the foster puppies them. foster yeah. them. That's yeah. We're fostering. Yeah, you did. That's what <laughs> that yeah. fostering that is was... dangerous because sometimes that turns into a permanent. Thing. Yeah, it sure can if you're yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, but you had people. We had people fly in from the north. They would drive for hours to pick up yeah. an animal. So. But the, be- the best story like that, uh, and and we don't. Uh, you know, there's a lot of transporting that goes on now. Uh, a lot of people in mass transporting animals like up north where and there are some places up north that don't have animals for adoption but we've heard from people actually that have worked up north in animal work it goes from one county to another some counties have a real handle on it Mm -hmm. and it's other counties don't so it's not that different everybody says well all those animals come out of texas because they you know (laughs) don't take care of their animals that's just not true you know there are places everywhere that do a really good job uh with the companion animal thing and um there but it's all about having those rules Mm -hmm. it is all about that um but we've done a lot of things we've made long trips uh we've done uh, strange kind of things met people in hotel parking lots and all that (laughs) but the best one we ever did is we had a hound and he's probably was red bone Mm -hmm. something like he wasn't a purebred dog Mm -hmm. but he was a beautiful hound dog Mm -hmm. and we knew somebody wanted the dog and that somebody knew someone with a private plane so we met the private plane in um, Corsicana I believe and loaded him up really? <laughs> and away he went Man. and he was looking out the right. windows he was <laughs> flying away so that was the, i guess the most yeah. you know unusual thing do you ever get updates from people about there we hear yeah. from some and amy especially mm-hmm. you know 
she happens on to people that'll say, they'll start talking about animals or she'll ask them about what kind of animals do you have because mm-hmm. she's curious about that kind of thing. And then she'll happen on to somebody who has that animal she adopted to right, them, you yeah. know. And uh, we, we would get pictures from an animal we adopted the animal would be on vacation somewhere like we would like to be, <laughs> right, <laughs> and we <yeah>. weren't. <laughs> They're living a whole lot better life. Than, uh, going more fun places. That's what you shoot for, huh? Yeah. Well, all so. right. well I've kept you uh, almost an hour and a half, well, a little over an hour and a half. So I really appreciate you sitting down and talking to us, well, telling us your story, the story about what you're trying to do, and it, I'll vouch that. You're doing good work, and hope you're able to keep doing it. And well, I, I think it's much appreciated. Well, we're not getting any younger. We are not. And I'm gonna tell you, this summer has taken a toll on us. It, it was a beatdown, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. But I think it was for everybody. Oh yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, the heat would just eat you alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've aged more this summer than right. I'd like to think about. But still, we yeah. still got to get back to Fort Worth well, sometime soon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. There's nothing like that feeling of freedom. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and, you know, Fort Worth is one of those places where we kept hearing about Fort Worth. What a grand place. It, what a good job they did in animal control. So I finally I thought, well, you know, Norma, you've heard that enough. Why don't you just go online and find out what this Fort Worth place is all about? If they're really that good, mm-hmm. they are really? really that good. Good. Yeah. Now, doing it, it right, huh? Yeah. Now, I, don't, I, mean, I mean, the person that was telling us that, and they were beating us over the head with it. <laughs> uh, so as it turns out, I want to say to them, what we need to do is be like Fort Worth. That's what she was telling us. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, you know, y'all need to be part of, you know, helping us get there. Right. Because I do think they're doing it right. They got, they got the rules. Right. <laughs> Well, there's plenty of ways to help, so uh, uh, if you're interested in helping at the Henderson County Humane Society, Society with the Litter, the litter Box, box. Okay. Uh, Spay Neuter Project, All right. and that's what we do. So Get in touch with them on Facebook, come up here first and third Saturdays, or knock on the door, or ring the doorbell, if it's some other time. You'll find somebody here, and somebody. you can look around. Uh, we personally think the building looks it's worth good. walking around just to look at the building <laughs> yeah. i promise you that yeah so so and and you might find something that you really like doing yeah you know it might be uh looking things up online to find out how much you not, know not really. etsy's selling it for yeah. how much amazon's selling it for and we usually go with 30 percent of that gotcha. and that's the price we put on things if it's something we buy all the time, we know how much it costs, and yeah. we generally go with thirty percent of that. Yeah. So, uh, you pretty generally get a, you get a good deal yep. on something, or you just something that you just can't live without. <laughs> That's right. That is right. <laughs> For some reason There's or another. Plenty to look at. Yeah. Plenty to look yeah. At. So, uh, we got some unusual stuff in here. All right. Yeah. Thanks, so, Norma. Well, we.